Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. As we move further into the spring, investor optimism seems to be coming to life, at least based on market performance over the past month. One factor why is that concerns about banking stress have moderated, but the question is whether this is all warranted. So joining me today for the CIO Strategy Snapshot to discuss this all, glad to welcome back Jason Trejo, head of Asset Allocation Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jason, welcome back. Looking forward to catching up with you. Good morning, Dan. Happy Monday. So, Jason, maybe we can begin by talking about that market performance I had referenced, which you do describe in a recent blog, that title is Rhyme Time, that it looks similar to what happened at the start of this year, 2023. So, Jason, can you speak a bit further as to what you mean by that? Well, if I think about what's happened over the past month, you know, Beginning shortly after Silicon Valley Bank went under and the markets, S&P 500, hit a low on March 13th. Over this past month, you know, the market narrative has evolved where I think people have become, investors have become less concerned about imminent recession. So when the banking crisis first began, there was thought that this could be a systemic problem, there could be immediate credit crunch, that a recession now is right around the corner. Those concerns have receded. Um, people are still worried about a recession, but certainly not something that is going to start, you know, in the next month or so. So there's been more confidence on this on a relative basis regarding the, you know, the growth outlook, the economic outlook. There's been an increasing confidence on inflation coming down or disinflation being, you know, well underway. Uh, and in some sense, inflation being last year's problem, you know, now we can worry about other things because all the indicators suggest inflation is coming down. Like there's certainly confidence in that scenario playing out. Uh, and there's also expectations that the Fed is almost done. You'll probably get one more hike, but then, then after that, and maybe as soon as the summer, uh, the Fed might start cutting rates. Uh, if you kind of constructed that scenario, you leave out the banking crisis. That's a lot like how the narrative evolved back in January when the year started. Initially, people thought the first half would be a difficult year. The data was coming in suggesting growth is actually better than feared. Inflation was coming down, uh, you know, giving confidence that you know, disinflation is well underway. And the Fed is, has maybe one, maybe two hikes left. Um, so it was a an environment where I'd say the markets across different asset classes were pricing in a relatively benign macro outcome. That's true, I think, right now. That was true back by the time we got to the end of January. And a benign macro outcome where you basically have a soft landing, inflation kind of comes down, pulls up, the Fed's able to cut rates. That's essentially the bull case scenario, or, or something kind of being a pretty close to a couple case scenario. Uh, uh, and so the, the result is that you know, we've had from a market performance perspective, kind of an everything rally across the board for most asset classes. That's true since March 3rd. Um, you know, it, it varies, you know, by different asset classes, but it looks a lot similar to what we had in January. We're getting everything kind of rallied. Only a couple of things were, were sold off. In both cases, one of the common denominators is that the dollar weakened back in January and it's been weakening over the past month or so. So that's where we've kind of this rhyming kind of pattern, you know, history doesn't repeat, it rhymes and we're seeing the performance for the past month. Exhibit a lot of the same sort of market narratives, and as a result, similar overall kind of performance with asset class prices kind of you know, moving, generally speaking, higher. So, Jason, perhaps drawing comparisons to thinking back to how market performance evolved towards the beginning of the year, that January rally did roll over starting in February. And if history does repeat or at least rhyme, Jason, what does that suggest the market outlook looks like from here? Well, all market narratives at some point come to an end. In Q1, you know, that sort of positive story that was unfolded in January gave way to uh, more concerns in February. I mean, some of it was that because growth was being 
more resilient than expected. In fact, it looked like in January the data would show the economy was accelerating. Then we got inflation data that suggested, well, maybe inflation isn't coming down as quickly as uh, people are assuming, especially core inflation. Uh, and so that combination of growth and inflation being better than expected was doing talks of, well, you know, the tails of the macro distribution, both ends are getting fatter, meaning we could have things, you know, soft landing where growth just stays resilient for a long time. At the same time, given the economy sort of running hotter than the, the Fed wants, the markets also started to price far more Fed rate hikes. So by the time we got to you know, early March, you know, the market was almost priced into four more rate hikes, including the one in March, then May, June, and then July. Uh, and that sort of repression of the downside risk and, and higher rates was also one of the reasons why the, you know, the markets kind of pulled back. And then we got the banking crisis that became a further sort of you know, you know, headwind for, for risk assets. Uh, if we look at the environment right now, again, some of this complacency on disinflation to some extent, well, there's fears of recession. It's not really pricing you know, for growth or the market's kind of pricing for growth to hold up. And the markets also might be underestimating the risk of the Fed hikes more than one time, but also kind of holds rates steady for the rest of this year. So just in the way in, in the first quarter, you know, the, the this benign outcome started to kind of chip away as we got further data and, and we could see how the situation evolved. It's likely we'll get some data, whether it's the market kind of repricing the Fed more, inflation not being quite as benign as expected, um, you, know, you know, the growth outlook no, you know, not being as good as investors might think in the near term. All of those factors could suggest that will get a bit of a rollover in the market performance. So, Jason, can you speak a bit further as to the reasons why you think the markets are vulnerable to a pullback, if not in the near term, then over the medium term? Well, let's get more specific into the market, you know, pricing and performance. First, uh, equity volatility isn't taking any really impending growth problems. Yeah, the VIX on Friday closed just a little bit above 17. It's moved a little bit higher. But when it closed around 17.1 on Friday, that was its lowest level since early January of 2022, you know, two months before the Fed started raising rates, before we, you know, the terminal rate went far higher. Uh, then if you look at realized volatility for the S&P 500 over the last 20 days, it's fallen to a level that at last was at, at the end of November of 2021. That's right when Fed Chair Jay Powell started to talk about maybe they have to be more aggressive in terms of you know, withdrawing policy accommodation to start hiking rates. So it's almost as if the market have looked past this whole year of a high inflation, a big shift in rates, you know, kind of recession concerns. Say no, things are kind of you know all pretty good. It suggests at a minimum, you know, maybe some complacency in the market. It also suggests more definitively and just almost mathematically that if the volatility declines, uh, the range in which you, know, you expect the S&P to trade also sort of narrows to some extent, and therefore the tails on the upside and downside also get narrower. Um, which is kind of opposite of what we were talking about back in February when we're seeing the tails of the distribution have kind of gotten fatter. There's more upside risk, there's more downside risk. It's hard to think, you know, after a banking crisis and the, you know, the knock-on effects of that, that there isn't some still kind of fat downside risk. Um, so that doesn't quite square with kind of the overall outlook that equity volatility is so low, and therefore maybe the markets are not properly prepared for, for more difficult times ahead. A second consideration is that while there's been improvement on inflation, Investors seem to be treating it as almost largely a, a solved problem that you know, inflation is going to come down relatively painlessly back to or close to the Fed's 2% target over the next couple of years. The issue with that is core inflation measures are still, you know, quite elevated, far from the 2%. Whether you look at core CPI, which is 5.5, or core PCE, which is what the Fed looks at, and that's 4.6. Um, it's likely to come down, but we're still, you need to see an improvement on that, and there really hasn't been significant improvement on core inflation thus yet. 
we look at the labor market where we've seen positive in the past couple of weeks, uh, the labor market is getting kind of back into a better balance. We did see average hourly earnings in March come down to 4.2% on a year-over-year basis. So the, the bottom line is that the wage story yet isn't kind of clearly saying, yes, wage inflation is moderating. The next best data point we'll get is at the end of the month when we get the employment cost index, which is very broad-based. It's coming down, but it's still also you know, quite high. So again, the overall inflation story isn't really, you know, you know we can't take it for granted that it's, it's solved. Yet, if you look at the market dynamics, uh, market expectations, but also the correlation between stocks and bonds, which to me is a proxy for whether the market's more worried about growth and inflation, the correlation between the S&P 500 and U.S. government bonds in the past month has gone from positive to deeply negative, around minus 0.6. That's happening because on days when equities are selling off, bonds are rallying, the bond yields, treasury yields are declining ending that sort of diversification from a 60-40 portfolio that we did not get all last year when the correlation was positive because when you get high inflation, rates go higher, equity sell off, bonds and stocks lose together. So that dynamic suggests, and again, the market's pretty complacent and comfortable that inflation is, is last year's problem. I think that's a little bit too soon to say that. The third factor after volatility, uh, equity volatility maybe not being, being too low, the market's being complacent on inflation, is that if you, you know, growth is likely to slow, that appears to be on track, but it's probably going to be more of a gradual decline, like a slow burn as opposed to falling off a cliff. We're not yet seeing really concrete evidence that aggregate lending has declined by any sort of significant amount as a result of the banking crisis. And so therefore, it may not hamper economic activity much in the next couple of quarters. So in some way, that's good news. But the flip side is that means the Fed can you know, keep hiking rates or keep rates elevated for longer more than the market's expecting. And if that happens, then again, that's a factor in sort of the replay of what we saw in Q1. The market became comfortable about uh, the Fed being able to stop and then even cut. If that's not the case, again, a tailwind for the markets over the past month, that may be reversed at least somewhat. So you add it all up, all these things suggest the markets are not pricing for these possible challenges, if not in the month ahead, the next six months ahead. So, Jason, with that in mind, the question becomes, with respect to allocation from an investor's lens, how should I be positioning in this environment and in consideration of what might lie ahead? So, what kind of guidance are you providing to our clients at the moment? Well, if, we, if history repeated, then we could look at Q1 and say, well, the markets rolled over in February, therefore, you know, the selling may go away, it might apply this year. History doesn't repeat, it does tend to rhyme. Uh, so we can think it's you know safer to say that at some point over the medium term, the next you know, three to six months, that the current market pricing for a benign macro outcome was likely to lead to some sort of investor disappointment. The data could evolve in some way. You know the debt ceiling will get you know closer and closer, and that's certainly a source of market uncertainty and volatility. Uh, so given all that, uh, you know it's likely that you know kind of slow growth is going to be that kind of the factor that sort of really disappoints the markets. But it could be complacency on inflation or the Fed while the markets pull back. But if you look at then what the markets are pricing with the S&P, you know, now over 4,100 and then trending even a little bit higher, you know, the, the risk reward or risk return trade-off versus buying high quality bonds uh, is, you know, further unattractive versus even when we downgraded them back in March. So that's why we continue to prefer high quality bonds over equities. You know, the fundamental picture of the past month hasn't improved. Uh, you know, a banking crisis and credit crunch should increase downside risk, even if only modestly. Yet the markets have gone the other direction with pricing kind of a greater risk of or a greater probability sort of the bull case scenario. In the near term, you know, if earnings need to end up being okay, there's not a lot of big economic data between now and, and the beginning of May when 
the, the Fed's going to probably make rates again. So markets can kind of grind higher in the absence of news. Uh, the technical dynamic could suggest, you know, you know, you know, we inch along in the positive direction. I think the overall medium term outlook for, for at least for U.S. equities is, is not particularly good. Uh, we haven't seen quite the same strength in the international markets, so that kind of fuels, again, our, our recommendation to kind of look beyond the U.S., look beyond growth stocks. Uh, and the dollar has certainly you know, pulled back in the past month. Uh, it's bounced back a little bit on Friday, it looks like this morning as well. But on a fundamental basis, we think there's, there's more kind of weakness on, on the dollar head again, which is another reason why to think about looking abroad to help diversify your portfolio. Well, Jason, a lot of interesting considerations with respect to how the market environment might evolve from here. We shall see if history repeats itself or at least rhymes. But Jason, thank you for joining us here on Top of the Morning to begin another week. Look forward to catching up in the week ahead and wish you a nice week ahead as well. You're welcome. Have a great week. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.